This morning I'm going to sing a song that I thought would be fitting for this message on offenses and suffering. This song was one of the first cassette tapes I ever bought 30 years ago. How old am I? Yeah, 30 years ago. I was about 15 years old. And as I, as I think of this song, I think about sin. And as we go into the message today, I want you to think about your sin, your relationship, and your sacrifice to God. Have you acknowledged your sin before him? And have you also acknowledged the price that was paid upon Calvary for your sin? Sin is a captive, and it does bind, and it becomes a stronghold. Cain realized that in his life as he had a problem with coveting, with jealousy, with offenses, and so what did he do? He took it out on his brother. Listen closely. Satan will try to abolish your soul. There's only one hope for your destiny, and that one hope is found when you're down. Jesus went to the throne, presented his sacrifice to God all alone. Father, it is finished. He proclaimed as heaven cheered, this blood is for all nations. For their redemptions free and clear when I
I'm thankful that every time I sing that song, and it wasn't until I was actually studying this morning that that song came to my mind. And I have sung that song, and I realized that Jesus Christ was the lamb that was the sacrifice that went on our behalf and died for us. Aren't you thankful for the redemptive power of Jesus Christ? I'm so grateful. I'm, I'm so thankful that no longer does hell have dominion over us. And I love that it says, All the bells in heaven rang when hell trembled. Pondering thought. If you would please turn in your Bibles to Genesis chapter 4. Genesis chapter 4. Offenses and suffering. Raising Cain. Adam and Eve weren't the first parents to raise Cain. They were actually the first to raise Cain, but they were not the last. Cain represents those that are destroyers. The kind of person that can leave you bleeding by the side of the road and walk away feeling sorry for himself. A destroyer is the kind of person who think appearances are everything. He will manipulate and work against you and he will lie and he will chisel and he will do whatever is necessary to degrade you and to diminish you. One thing is for sure that a destroyer destroyer will do anything to not make him or her look bad. Destroyers, the kind of person that can hurt you deeply and feels no hurt for you whatsoever. Incapable of feeling hurt. And I am sure you know many just like this. Sad to say, isn't it? makes me think of the many family stories that some in this room have experienced where maybe your mom or your dad all of a sudden decided to abandon you and desert you. And for many years, they were not a part of your life. You know, there was a time when I could go into a pulpit, you know, maybe back in my youth, and there were a lot of families together. Well, in America today, divorce is rising. And it's here. The commitment, the covenant, the vow that was made before God Almighty, before husband and wife, standing before the witnesses of the people, no longer matters. There isn't that commitment between anybody anymore. And so all of a sudden, you know, dad leaves, mom leaves, when ends up happening, all of a sudden he decides to pop back in. Her mom decides to pop back in. And we can't seem to understand or figure out why they want to be a part of our lives. Why all of a sudden they have a sense of entitlement. Listen, you need to call me dad. I'm your dad. Really. And what ends up happening is, daughter... Son, write a letter and say, Dear Daddy or Dear Mommy, I no longer want you a part of my life because you've never been around. And all of a sudden, Mommy, Daddy says, I don't understand. I'm the parent. There should be this sense of entitlement. And unfortunately, the sad part is they don't think about the many years that there was no contact. And that doesn't even enter into his or her mind. And in fact, the message today is intended to change people's lives. Whoever the usher is, you're more than welcome to turn down or shut the air off. I would like us to ask the Holy Spirit this morning 
to give us a brand new sensitivity toward God and towards others. The series is to bring back healing. The series is to bring back hope. And the series is to help with reconciliation. We understand that reconciliation cannot always be achieved, but that should be our goal. So today we continue as we're all now in Genesis chapter 4 and we go into this series of offenses and suffering. Let us pray. Father, we thank you so much for your word this morning. Lord, I I pray as, as we're going through this, I'm not a series type of pastor. So it's been it's been exciting to be able to go through the different stories of the Bible and to see, Father, the differences. But Lord, as we come to you this morning, we ask that the Holy Spirit would start to open up and uh, reveal some light into our dark soul where we have offenses, where we have hurts, where, Lord, we just it's difficult for us to really come to somebody and have reconciliation. And so, Father, today we just pray that your hand will be upon each person as, Lord, this sometimes is difficult as we go through this surgery experience of understanding we need to let go and let you take full control of our life. That's 100% control. Father, we love you. We thank you for your word. In your name we pray. Amen. Here we have this first story of parenting. I love this story. Because it's a profound story about two young men. Verse 1 in Genesis chapter 4. And Adam knew Eve, his wife, and she conceived, and she bore Cain. And said, I have gotten a man from the Lord. Isn't that amazing? When you first have that first baby, it's exciting because... You realize the importance, and then we all of a sudden forget the importance when changing diapers and burping and bathing and all of the hard work comes into place. Uh, We can't make it to church because we have obligations to that baby, and then we fail to realize that God is the one who gave that baby to us. And he told us to raise up a child, to train up a child in the way of the Lord, and when they're old, they won't depart from it. And I have parents come to me and say, I have a rebellious son or a rebellious daughter. And I look at them and say, well, you forgot what your commitment was to God Almighty way back when that baby or when that little man was a baby. Let's remember that as Eve said, she received this young man from the Lord. Verse 2, and she again bare his brother Abel, and Abel was a keeper of the sheep. But Cain was a tiller of the ground. And in process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought of the fruit of the ground an offering unto the Lord. And Abel he also brought of the firstling of his flock and of the fat thereof. The Lord had respect unto Abel and to his offering. But unto Cain and to his offering he had not respect. And Cain was very, very, very angry. And his countenance fell. And the Lord said unto Cain, Why art thou angry? And why is thy countenance falling? If thou dost well, shalt thou not be accepted? And if if thou dost not well, sin lieth at the door. And unto thee shall be his desire, and thou shalt rule over him. And then all of a sudden, the plot thickenings, and things get scary, And he starts to premeditate and think about all the things he's now going to do to his brother because of these emotions. And we continue in verse 8. And Cain talked with Abel, his brother. And it came to pass when they were in the field that Cain rose up against Abel, his brother, and slew him. He took his life. And the Lord said unto Cain, he said, I know not. Am I my brother's keeper? And here... God steps in and he said, what hast thou done? The voice of thy brother's blood crieth unto me from the ground. And now art thou cursed from the earth, which hath opened her mouth to receive thy brother's blood from thy hand. When thou tillest the ground, it shall not henceforth yield unto thee. Her strength, a fugitive and a vagabond shalt thou be in the earth. And Cain said unto the Lord, 
my punishment, my guilt is greater than I can bear. Behold, thou hast driven me out this day from the face of the earth, and from thy face shall I be hid, and I shall be a fugitive and a vagabond in the earth, and it shall come to pass that everyone that findeth me shall slay me. And the Lord said unto him, Therefore, whosoever slayeth Cain, vengeance shall be taken on him sevenfold. And the Lord set a mark, you can circle that or underline in your Bible, upon Cain, lest any finding him should kill him. Amazing thought. So as we continue, let's break it down here. The root word for Cain comes from the word which means acquire. And there's no doubt the excitement that they must have felt when, when the baby boy was born with a great future ahead. However, the story unfolds. It is very sad as parents when the outcome of that newborn doesn't turn out as we hoped. Sad, isn't it? We have all of these these aspirations and desires, and sometimes it just doesn't turn out that way. But we notice as we go back to verse 3, it says there, and we'll highlight it, and in process of time it came to pass that Cain brought of the fruit of the ground an offering of the Lord. Why was Cain angry? And we see here he was rejected by God. And what we understand from the story is that he could have given something greater, but he didn't. He held back. Kind of reminds me of some Christians today. We could give more, but we hold back. Oh, here he goes. And I'm not talking about tithes at this point. I'm not talking about money. I'm talking about of your life. We could give more. We could give of our life, and we hold back because it just doesn't fit our schedule. It's not comfortable. It's uncomfortable. Is the responsibility of a pastor to push his people? Yes. To mentor, to disciple. Where to evangelize? Where to disciple? Where to see growth in the life of the community of believers? The Holy Spirit does the work, but we challenge you in the Word to be a better child of God. Isn't it amazing that we see the similarities? When I am better than my brother or sister... We see here they both had the same parents, respectable positions. They had the same sacrifice, honorable sacrifices. They both came. They presented it. But you see in this story, one was accepted and the other rejected. And some believe that Abel was highly favored because he brought from the flock the shedding of blood and Cain didn't. That's a whole other story. I believe it wasn't what they brought. It was the attitude by which they brought it. And I love what in verse 4 where he says, And the Lord had respect unto Abel and to his sacrifice. Isn't it amazing? When we go to give something, we do it like this. I can't. I'm not good. I just can't. And you already know the Holy Spirit's working in you. You know that God's moving within you. It's amazing to me, too, that some will sit in a pew. And here we're going to talk a little bit about the Holy Spirit right here. And I wasn't going this direction, but I think God wants me to. We quench the Holy Spirit because we're afraid of what others will think. We don't really know a lot about Cain. We understand what he brought and his attitude by which he brought it because God frowned on him. Where it says there that God had great respect for Abel. But the Holy Spirit moves within us. And all God is asking for us to do is live our life sold out for him. And we can't. It's difficult. But pastor, you don't understand what I went through throughout the course of the week. I know. I actually sit on my porch and I rock in my rocking chair and I read the Bible 12 hours a day and don't do anything else. So I wouldn't understand your life. That's not true. We all work hard. We all work and we labor every day of our life. And and I honor all of you for all of the hard work that you put in to your family. 
But let's not give God the last of our fruits. We should give him our first fruits. Mm -hmm. And so when the Holy Spirit starts speaking to us and we sit in the pew and do nothing and fight it the whole time, all you're doing is rebelling against God. I really do believe that Cain in this story would have been highly favored of God if he wouldn't have sat and squirmed all the time wondering about, hmm, yeah, I think those fruits look pretty good. I think I'm going to put a little bit here and I'm a little bit there. And yeah, here you go. Here you go, God. There's a little bit. That then there was Abel who went out and said, I'm going to find the greatest fatted calf and I'm going to sacrifice that. I'm going to give that to God. There was joy. There was excitement. You see the attitude that we're building up to? God knows that. God already knows your attitude this morning. He knew your attitude when you got out of bed. He knows your attitude as you're sitting right here today. That's what I love about coming to the house of God. Experiencing the presence of God. Understanding who God is. And then just being able to praise and worship for all the things that took place in the past week, laying it all down and allowing God to do a work in me. And I hope you can say that he is doing a work in you. You see, Abel brought forth the very best, the fat portions. He gave it to God because his heart was with God. Cain just did his duty and said, if God doesn't like it, I really don't care. Attitude was everything here, and I believe that's why one was accepted and the other one was rejected. You see, many feuds take place because one child is the favor over the other. I've heard even my brother say to me, I'm the black sheep of the family. Well, he doesn't have to be. He's highly favored of God. He needs to live his life holy and separated for God. He's not the black sheep, so quit speaking it. That's what I always tell him. Adam and Eve favored one over the other. And I don't think they did. I think they loved both of them. Yeah, they were excited. It says here they were excited when Cain was born. But we see clearly that God did favor Abel. So here we see the roots of jealousy, the roots of anger, the roots of envy start to creep up within Cain. And jealousy is clearly a sin we can see in the life of others. And yet, it's almost impossible to see it in our own lives. So who is angry here? Who is the one that's even angry in the story? We see that it's Cain. Abel hasn't done anything wrong, but Cain is stirring with jealousy and anger. He is going after his brother. So here's some characteristics of someone that hurts somebody else without any remorse or without any conscience of what they're doing. And we're going to call that this morning the Cain nature. And some of you will probably say, yes, I understand because I have seen it in other people's lives. One, verse six, Cain refuses counsel. Here's what it says. And the Lord said unto Cain, why are you wroth? Why are you angry? And why is thy countenance fallen? God says, why has your face fallen? If you're like me and can't hide your emotions, then all will see. I mean, I have more wrinkles on this forehead. My eyebrows go up and down. You can see when I smile. You can see when I'm mad. You can see when I'm bothered. I mean, people walk up to me all the time. Are you okay, preacher? No. Are you okay? I'm happy. I mean, we're all there. How about this? Kids, can you tell young people when your mom and dad are upset? Thank you. You can see the countenance all over them. And so that's me. And God saw on Cain's face, yes, there's a problem here. Here Cain didn't have to say much because he was very, very very angry. 
We notice here in verse 7, it says this, and, and this verse is amazing to me as I was studying this. If thou dost well, shalt thou not be accepted? And if thou doest not well, sin lieth at the door. And unto thee shall be his desire, and thou shalt rule over him. Let's look at that for just a minute. It reads that sin lies at the door. Let's interpret that because if you go back to the root word there, it would actually mean that Satan or a demon awaits at the door. A demon lieth at the door. And God says to Cain, you better master this or it will pounce on you. So all of a sudden, Cain and God have a counseling session. They have a meeting and God's trying to give him advice. Listen, if you don't turn your heart around, Satan's going to pounce on you and it will destroy your relationship with mom and dad, with your family, with others. He'll pounce on you. And so he continues to give advice. God counsels him. And then he continues to give some special attention to Cain. God gives Cain counsel and Cain leaves God and goes out and kills Abel, his brother. So much for counseling. Kind of reminds me. This past spring, being a family counselor and and many people coming to my office and and I, I rejoice over marriages that we've been able to restore and the Holy Spirit's come in and he's been present and he's given some great wisdom for me to share with other people and help out their lives and um, not only that with with addictions or hang-ups or hurts or habits or whatever but there's something that's disconcerting to me is that I can give all the counsel in the world and they still don't hear and they'll go out and do whatever last year I spent a year counseling this couple and they said um Preacher, are we going to come back to counseling? I said, no. They said, why? I said, because you haven't done one thing I've asked. Why should I waste my time? It isn't just a fellowship hour. It's applying principles of God's word to our life. And so they got mad at me. That's understandable. And so they allowed me and them to part ways, and they no longer attend. New hope. So I ask you a question. kind of reminds you of the Cain nature. We only want to hear, you heard me say last week in Proverbs, when David said, we build up gates and walls and bars, and so the only people that are going to come into our palace are those that are going to support us and to listen to us. I always tell everybody, I want you better. I don't want you bitter. Nobody wants to be bitter. Amen? We want to live a life of victory. God was looking at Cain saying, listen, I want you to live a life of victory. I know who Lucifer is. I kicked him out of the kingdom. Now listen to me closely. He is awaiting your soul. He's a snake at the door. He's a lion ready to pounce on your life. And yet, we never hear or listen to the Holy Spirit of God. Sad, isn't it? For those with the cane nature, we need to heed and to listen to the direction of God. Number two, when we saw Cain refuses counsel, number two, he avoids responsibility. You see, in verse 9, it says there, And the Lord said unto Cain, Where is Abel thy brother? And he looks at him and says, um, I don't know where my brother Abel's at. I haven't seen him lately. He might be out there tending to his flock. Who did he think he was talking to? <laughs> I mean... As I was saying this story, I'm going to know all these dimensions of my life. I'm like, how many times we think we're running from God, and guess what he does? And he yanks us back. He knows exactly what we need and what we're going through. 
He will always, always come to your side because he loves you. That's why he sent his son. So we see here, he says here, am I my brother's keeper? You know, it reminds me of this little phrase I heard once. There was once a monkey at the zoo that said, am I my keeper's brother? Do I have to say that again? See, some of you are... Okay, I don't know. Okay, back to the point. God says in verse 10, the voice of your brother's blood is crying out to me from the ground. Verse 10, the voice of thy brother's blood crieth out unto me from thy ground. I want you to do something. If you've never really thought about this verse before in verse 10, circle me. Highlight it, put it in quotes, whatever you want to do. Highlight it in your Bible. Because even through death, he said, the blood of your brother is crying out to me. So profound, profound, and yet Cain deflects. So the blood cries out from the ground, and now Cain cannot hide his sin no longer. The blood of many innocent cries out to God. Abortions, murders. God knows and he responds. God died for all of us. Verse 12, it says there, Because of your sin, the ground will be cursed and you shall be cursed. Isn't that amazing? So he looked at him and said, here's going to be your punishment. You're going to be cursed. The ground's going to be cursed. I want you, if you would, please turn over to Malachi chapter 3. I was in my office this morning as I was going through this, through this study. God keeps bringing back this to me, so I'm just going to go ahead and read it to you because it was, it's kind of connecting to this. And I'm not one that preaches on tithing and, and all that kind of stuff. Tithing is an Old Testament, you know, uh, obedience. But we're going to talk about this just briefly because as I was reading this, I thought, wait a minute. We're talking about a sacrifice. We're talking about giving. And so I immediately grabbed my little notepad, highlighter notepad here, and I marked it in my Bible because I wanted you to see something. Look at verse 6 in Malachi chapter 3, verse 6. For I am the Lord, I change not, therefore your sins of Jacob are not consumed. Even from the days of your fathers you are gone away from mine ordinances and have not kept them. Now here he is, he's talking to the Israelites and... Uh, and, and he's just trying to put out a petition here, and he's speaking to them of understanding and misunderstanding and all the things they've done as they've swayed and rebelled and done whatever is they've done, wandered in the wilderness. Even from the days of your fathers, you are gone away from mine ordinances and not kept them. Return unto me, and I will return unto you, says the Lord of hosts. But you said, wherein shall we return? Will a man rob God? Yet ye have robbed me. But you say, wherein have we robbed thee in tithes and offerings? Now stop right there. I saw, there, I want to read this at the very bottom of my, this is my notes. It says this one. We notice that as we come together, some Christians disagree in tithes. They don't talk about it. They say it's not relevant for today. We understand we're under grace. We're no longer under the law. And in the New Testament, we give of a cheerful heart. The Old Testament says bring 10% into the storehouse. But watch this. Number one, it was the central place characteristic, characterized by God's presence. You bring it in. That's where everybody met. They saw God. They met God. That's where they worshiped God. So they brought it in. Two, possessed the symbols of redemption. And three, was where the man of God served. And so what I see there when it comes to the storehouse is that this is where we come together collectively to worship the Lord, to hear his word, to hear his spirit speak to our souls. But not, verse 9 is what I want to grab your attention here. Luke, hit the ear real quick. Bring you all the tithes into the storehouse. Up oh, back. Verse 9, that's what I wanted you to hear. You are cursed with a curse, for you have robbed me even this whole nation. Bring ye all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be meat in mine house, and prove me now herewith, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open you the windows of heaven, and pour out you a blessing, that there shall not be room enough to receive it. Okay, I'm going with this, God, for what time we have here. I'm going to show you a little illustration. I'm going to break some things down here. 
All right. I'm going to put this chair up here. Now, he says that you're cursed, right? Now, it starts off in the Old Testament, and he told Cain, he said, Cain, bring your offering to me. Did Cain do that? Yes. Did Abel bring his offering? Yes, he did. Okay? So, as we see in the Scriptures, they both brought it. But there's a difference because if we, if we view in light of Cain and Abel, we have Cain over here who says, I'm going to go out and I'm going to present, you know, what I desire in my heart. And so he gives it to God. Then Abel says, I'm going to take all I have and I'm going to give the best I have because I love God. I'm obedient to God. I am his child. He created me. And God, you are the blesser. Right? Okay, thank you. So, we go back over here to Cain. Now, if we use in reference to verse 10, bring you all the tithes into the storehouse that there may be meat in mine house, and prove me now herewith, says the Lord of hosts. If I will not open you the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing, that there shall not be room enough to receive it. But you go back up and it says, listen, you will be cursed. So then we go back... And it says that he was cursed, the ground was cursed, and he looked at him and said, and you're going to get the scarlet letter, for you have sinned. You will wear it forever, and if anybody puts their hand on Cain, I will punish them. Now, Cain's over here, he now deflects, says this was never my fault, it's probably mom's fault, she took from the tree, it's not my fault, I wouldn't be here, had she not sinned and he not sinned, dad was such a weak panty waist. Maybe I shouldn't have said that. So anyhow, he's deflecting over here, calling everybody names, and so yet we have Abel over here, now watch this, Abel presents his offering to God, and God says to him as he opens up the windows of heaven and says, Abel, here are my blessings. Receive them and go in peace. Isn't that a beautiful picture? And so I I use that today. People will say, it must be nice to be you. That's what they have said over the years as, as a pastor. Oh, Todd, you're lucky. I'm not lucky. Let me tell you, I love people. I love people. I have a passion for souls. What is disconcerting and saddens me is that I always say, I thought people would love me back the same way I love them. Well, that's a lie. And so I know one thing's for certain as I serve the Lord. And I just don't bring part of the scripture and I don't wave flags out there that have a preference to them and says we accept all people you can sin however you want you can live a life with a man with a woman whoever you want and we will take you in because we love sin i don't say that and neither does god do we see that in this verse he wants all or nothing we are burned up in the lust of our flesh because of homosexuality because of lesbian it's ridiculous. I don't like the sin. I love the sinner. But churches today are saying, we support gay games. Well, guess what? I want the power of God on this church. I don't need the power of our community on this church. We need to preach the word. Now, with that being said, I'm not, I love people of all walks of life. So don't, don't misconstrue that, but let, let's remember this. Here's the word. Love people where they're at. So if, if I start making excuses for this one over here and their sinful life, I'm going to have to come over here and make excuses for this one over here, and before long, I'm going to be miserable. I know one thing. I'd rather be miserable being obedient and living my life for God than being disobedient and not living my life for the Lord. Because you see, over here, when I give him my all and I submit myself to God and I bow at the foot of the cross where there's cleansing power from the blood, 
Then all of a sudden, God looks down or stands beside me, puts his hand on me and says, Son, I'm going to pour out my blessings upon your life. It sure beats this one over here where we're sitting. And he says, as I go like this, you're cursed. You are cursed. I have not served the Lord since I was a little boy. To now make decisions that keep taunting me and haunting me saying, you know what, you could do this if you want to grow the church. No, we need to do this to grow the church. See, man doesn't grow the church. God does. The church is a community of believers. So we could go here. We could be in the parking lot. We could be in the house next door. We could be anywhere. But God has entrusted us to take care of his bride. And so that is my responsibility to call it out. However, we need to be careful, as it says in verse 12. We'll go back to now Genesis chapter 4. We need to be careful not to deflect. And, and I say that to say, be obedient, give. If you don't give to God, don't ask why there's so much heartache in your life. Do we see the story here about Cain? Are we all in agreement? Is that amen? Okay, praise the Lord. Now, we go right into three. He is self-observed. In verse 13, here's what it says in verse 13. And Cain said unto the Lord, My guilt, my punishment is greater than I can <laughs> He starts a boohoo story. And he starts crying. Funny how he doesn't have any remorse or regret, isn't sorrowful for what he has done to his brother, but Cain doesn't get it anyway. He doesn't understand it until God says, here's what I'm going to do to you. I'm going to put a mark upon your life. And it doesn't say here, we're kind of unclear and unsure what the mark was, but I'm sure people saw who he was and identified with who he was. And so God was holding him accountable. You see, these kinds of people always play a different, by a different set of roles. So what does he do? He boo-hoos and boo-hoos and boo-hoos and cries and then goes out and hides himself. Me? Why me? I don't deserve a mark, a punishment. You're kidding me. If you will see, he isn't sorry for his brother's blood that was spilled on the ground. He was still more worried about his own feelings. He was self-absorbed. In fact, to Cain, killing his brother Abel probably felt good to him. He was incapable of feeling any hurt for anyone else. Does that sound familiar? There are a number of people that hurt, and yet there are a number of people that do know, that do the hurting. Never taking responsibility for their actions. And they say, I am self-absorbed, never thinking of the hurts and or the concerns of other people. Some of you are probably saying this morning, this can't be me. I know to whom this message applies, and it isn't me. I think of those relatives that treat you like dirt. They think you have it coming to you. They're absolutely convinced about the, the rightness of their actions. These kind of people that hurt others can't feel the pain of the people they hurt are absolutely convinced without a shadow of a doubt that they are right. They would be offended if you told them that they really hurt you. What do you mean? I have hurt you? Me? Never. There was a pastor who had a clock in his office. And sometimes it would go very fast. Sometimes it would go very slow. It was very difficult to, to keep track of time. So he put this piece of paper, took a sticky note, and put a piece of paper underneath it that read this. 
Don't blame the hands. The trouble is much deeper. Profounding thought, isn't it? Don't blame the hands. The trouble is deeper. As I bring my thoughts to a close, here are two transforming lessons that you can apply to your life. If you are the victim to somebody's insensitivity, to if you are insensitive, if you're an insensitive person and you don't know it yet. Write this down. Either we will master sin or sin will master us. Either we will master sin or sin will master us. It says in his word, sin is crouching at the door. And yet you disregard God's counsel. The demon at the door waits like a roaring lion seeking about whom he may devour. And 1 John, if you'll turn there, 1 John chapter 3, 11 through 12. John says this, For this is the message that ye heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. And in verse 12 it says, Not as Cain, who was of that wicked one, and slew his brother, and wherefore slew he him? Because his own works were evil, and his brothers were righteous. Unless our lives are opened to the Holy Spirit, who can point out our sin and who can show us how sometimes we hurt other people, may intentionally or unintentionally, unless we are open to the Holy Spirit. We will not master sin. Sin will master us and it will destroy. In this message, I've been preaching about Cain, but truthfully, I've been preaching about me and about you. Because there is a little bit of Cain in every one of us. And only the Holy Spirit can reveal to us and to show us how we can be insensitive and hurt other people. And this is a time where we cry out to God and ask Him to show us. Despite the time, will you ask yourself this important question, is it I? Is it I that has done the hurting? And the last part, let us be united by the blood that forgives. In Hebrews, you could turn there, Hebrews chapter 12. It says this in verse 24. And to Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant, and to the blood of sprinkling, that speaketh better things than that of Abel. The blood of Christ is being referenced here. It is there at the foot of the cross that we come together. That we come united. It is there that we unite our hearts. And it is there that families can be reconciled. And as each confesses their sins, as each can bring about unity, and I'm not just speaking of the canes that hurt people, but I'm also speaking to those who have been hurt, and I'm also speaking to the ables, where some feel a sense that they have died. And when some say or come to us and say, you have hurt me, let's be open. Maybe we just aren't aware of it or we have rationalized it. God desires a sense of unity within families and God desires a sense of unity within the church. Relationships 
are important to God. And this morning, as we forgive others, and we go to God and we ask God to do a work within us to rid us of the bitterness, we will see that the Holy Spirit will give us peace. Peace that passeth all understanding. He'll give us peace, leadership, and direction. He'll give us love, and better yet, He'll give us supernatural ability. It's all there. If you will just say, Yes, Lord, it is I. I've done wrong. I have hurt many people. Before we go to the Lord in prayer, have you been the one that's been hurting? Or have you been the hurter? Are you the one who's in the midst of it all, causing offenses? For people are suffering. And then I ask you an important question. Are you able? Have you been obedient so that God can just pour out His blessings? over and over and over in your life. Now here is my personal thought and all this is my personal thought but now I'm going to make it real. The hardest part about ministry is reconciliation. Had I not years ago surrendered to do the will of God I would be out of the will of God if you don't surrender to the will of God then you're missing opportunities that God wants to just open up into your lives and pour into your life the word of God will always be preached. Sin will be identified. And we must stop and realize, don't toil between the two. Don't be a king and just give part. Be an able. Give God all of it. He's speaking to you this morning. Are you listening? Or are you the one that's struggling in your seat saying, I'm not going to give to I'm not surrendering. When you get to the end of yourself, you get to the beginning of God. Will you meet Him here today? Let us all stand as we pray. God, as we come to You and we meet You at the foot of the cross, God, we ask that You will start to do a work in and through us. Lord, that reconciliation will take place. That God will get rid of the bitterness and the hurt and the pain in our life. And we will identify that maybe we've been a part of hurting others. Lord, give us the tools to show loving kindness and peace and understanding. Lord, help us to not have a Cain nature, nature, but help us to be enabled, to be able to do what's right and honorable in your sight. And so, God, this morning, I pause as we confess before you in the quietness of this room maybe some bitterness, some strongholds that we have in our life, maybe because of somebody else. Lord, we lose those in the name of Jesus Christ. And Lord, we just pray that you'll help us and free us today.
holy, precious name we pray. Amen. As we go right into our altar call and time of reflection, if you don't know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, come to Him this morning. He wants to meet you right where you're at. There is forgiveness for you. Your love through the judgment you receive, and you've won my heart. It's got to have your heart this morning, and you've won my heart. Now I can trade these ashes in for beauty. And wear forgiveness like a crown Coming to kiss the feet of mercy I lay every burden down At the foot of the cross Is God speaking to you this morning? If you'll just move, God will do a great work in your life He's here and He's waiting
pray that you can lay your burden down at the foot of the cross. Here's a profounding thought as the ushers come forward. Do you know what happens when people, when you hurt people? They begin to love you less, and the worst is they may begin to forget that they once loved you. Sad, but profound.